Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. This is a bonus episode of our series, Summer Readings, and I am so glad to have my friend Aaron Coronas, who lives right there in the same area that I do of Sealy, Texas, and uh, he and I have known each other for years. You may have seen him in interviews I've done before, but I asked Aaron to be a guest reader in our summer series, and uh, so he is picking up reading uh, out of chapter one, Life Together, at the bottom of page 32 and then I believe he will go um, until the top of page 38. Now he doesn't give a lot of commentary right but he is reading and uh, I am so glad for you to be able to spend these uh, moments uh, with Aaron as the the book Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer continues to open up our understanding uh, of aspects of living in Christian community. So, without further ado, here is my friend, Aaron Coronas. Enjoy these moments together. Hello, my name is Aaron Coronas, and I'm reading from my home in Sealy, Texas, from the book Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer concerning community. He says, within the spiritual community, there is never, nor in any way, any immediate relationship of one to another, whereas human community expresses a profound elemental human desire for community, for immediate contact with other human souls, just as in the flesh there is the urge for physical merger with other flesh. Such desire of the human soul seeks a complete fusion of I and thou. Whether this occurs in the union of love or what is after all the same thing in the forcing of another person into one sphere of power and influence. Here is where the human strong person is in his element, securing for himself the admiration, the love, or the fear of the weak. Here, human ties, suggestions, and bonds are everything. And in the immediate community of the soul, we have reflected the distorted image of everything that is originally and solely peculiar to community mediated through Christ. Thus, there is such a thing as human absorption. It appears in all the forms of conversation wherever the superior power of one person is consciously or unconsciously misused to influence profoundly and draw into his spell another individual or a whole community. Here one soul operates directly upon another soul. The weak have been overcome by the strong. The resistance of the weak has broken down under the influence of another person. He has been overpowered, but not won over by the thing itself. 
This becomes evident as soon as the demand is made that he throws himself into the cause itself independently of the person to whom he is bound, or possibly in opposition to this person. Here is where the humanly converted person breaks down and thus makes it evident that the conversion was effected not by the Holy Spirit, but by man, and therefore has no stability. And we see this in, in our, you know, in our relationships with other people. Uh, we come in to an organization or to, to our church, uh, and, and we are thankful and, and, um, you know, taken in and loved, uh, and nurtured by these people. And, and, you know, as we continue through our, our relationship with these people, at some point we, we have the opportunity of being offended. Uh, and at that point, so many of us make a decision that we're no longer going to be in relationship. Uh, you know, there where he says, you know, that, that we, you know, it's evident that the conversion was affected not by the Holy Spirit, you know, that relationship, uh, but it was by man. It was therefore, and it therefore has no stability. He goes on, he says, likewise, there is a human love of one's neighbor. Such passion is capable of prodigious sacrifice. Often it is far, it far surpasses genuine Christian love in fervent devotion and visible, and visible results. It speaks the Christian language with overwhelming and stirring eloquence. But it is what Paul speaks of when he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, in other words, though I combine the utmost deeds of love with the utmost of devotion, and have not charity, that is, the love of Christ, it profiteth me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 Human love is directed to the other person for his own sake. Spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. Therefore, human love seeks direct contact with the other person. It loves him not as a free person, but as one whom it binds to itself. It wants to gain, to capture by every means. It uses force. It desires to be irresistible and to rule. How many times have I sought out relationships of other people simply for the desire to fill my own needs of having community, which in reality is to be able to control and to dominate for the purpose of fulfilling my needs of community. Human love has little regard for truth. It makes the truth relative. Since nothing, not even the truth, must come between it and the beloved person. Human love desires the other person his company, his answering love, but it does not serve him. On the contrary, it continues to desire even whenever it seems to be serving, 
there are two marks, both of which are one and the same thing, that manifests the difference between spiritual and human love. Human love cannot tolerate the dissolution of a fellowship that has become false for the sake of genuine fellowship. And human love cannot love an enemy, that is, one who seriously and stubbornly resists it. Both spring from the same source. Human love is, by its very nature, desire. Desire for human community. So, so long as it can satisfy this desire in some way, it will not give it up even for the sake of truth, even for the sake of genuine love for others. But it, is, but it can no longer expect its desire to be fulfilled. There it stops short, namely in the name, namely in the face of an enemy. There it turns into hatred, contempt, and calumny. And where calumny is just, you know, that's where it turns into slander or the making of false and, and, you know, deflammatory statements about someone in order to, to, you know, damage their reputation. Right here is the point where spiritual love begins. This is why human love becomes personal hatred when it encounters genuine spiritual love, which does not desire, but serves. Human love makes itself an end in itself. It creates of itself an end, an idol which it worships, to which it must subject everyone and everything. It nurses and cultivates an ideal, it loves itself and nothing else in the world. Spiritual love, however, comes from Jesus Christ. It serves him alone. It knows that it has no immediate access to other persons. Jesus stands between the lover and the others he loves. What love is only Christ tells in his word. Contrary to all my own opinions and convictions, Jesus will tell me what love towards the brethren really is. Therefore, spiritual love is bound solely to the word of Jesus Christ. Where Christ bids me to maintain fellowship for the sake of love, I will maintain it. And where his truth enjoins me to dissolve a fellowship for love's sake, there I will dissolve it, despite all the protests of my human love. Because spiritual love does not desire, but rather serves, it loves an enemy as a brother. It originates neither in the brother nor in the enemy, but in Christ and his word. Human love can never understand spiritual love, for spiritual love is from above. It is something completely strange, new, and incomprehensible to all earthly love. 
because Christ stands between me and others. I dare not desire direct fellowship with them, as only Christ can speak to me in such a way that I may be saved, so others too can be saved only by Christ himself. This means that I must release the others from every attempt of mine to regulate, to coerce, and dominate him with my love. This is really just being, you know, allowing love, the love of Christ to be in right order. The other person needs to retain his independence of me, to be loved for what he is, as one for whom Christ became man, died and rose again, for whom Christ brought forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Because Christ has long since acted decisively for my brother before I could begin to act. I must leave him his freedom to be in Christ and to be Christ's. I must meet him only as the person that he already is in Christ's eyes. This is the meaning of the proposition that we can meet others only through the mediation of Christ. Human love constructs its own image of the other person, of what he is and what he should become. It takes the life of the other person into its own hands. Spiritual love recognizes the true image of the other person, which he has received from Jesus Christ. The image that Jesus Christ himself embodied and would stamp upon all men. Therefore, spiritual love proves itself in, the every, in that everything it says and does commends Christ. It will not seek to move others by all too personal direct influence, by impure interference in the life of another. It will not take pleasure in pious human fervor and excitement. It will rather meet the other person with the clear word of God and be ready to leave him alone with this word for a long time, willing to release him again in order that Christ may deal with him. It will respect the line that has been drawn between him and us by Christ, and it will find full fellowship with him in the Christ who alone binds us together. Thus, the spiritual love will speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. It knows that the most direct way to others is always through prayer to Christ, and that love of others is wholly dependent upon the truth in Christ. It is out of this love that John the disciple speaks, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Third John 4. Human love 
lives by uncontrolled and uncontrollable dark desires. Spiritual love lives in the clear light of service ordered by the truth. Human love produces human subjection, dependence, constraint. Spiritual love creates freedom of the brethren under the word. Human love breeds hothouse flowers. Spiritual love creates the fruits that grow healthily in accord with God's good will in the rain and storms and sunshine of God's outdoors. The existence of any Christian life together depends on whether it succeeds at right time, succeeds at the right time in bringing out the ability to distinguish between a human ideal and God's reality, between spiritual and human community. The life or death of a Christian community is determined by it by whether it achieves sober wisdom on this point as soon as possible. In other words, life together under the word will remain sound and healthy only where it does not form itself into a movement or an order or a society, but rather where it understands itself as being part of the one. Where it, is, where it shares actively and passively in the sufferings and struggles and promise of the whole church. Every principle of selection and every separation connected with it that is not necessitated quite objectively by common work local connection or local conditions or familiar or family connections is of the greatest danger to Christian community. When the way of intellectual or spiritual selection is taken, the human element always insinuates itself and robs the fellowship of its spiritual power and effectiveness for the church and drives it into sectarianism. The exclusion of the weak and the insignificant, the seemingly useless people from a Christian community may actually mean the exclusion of Christ. In the poor brother, Christ is knocking at the door. We must therefore be very careful at this point. And so true that is that we find so often in the body of Christ that we value more the, the human love and the human relationship rather than the spiritual. And we end up driving the church into a place of sectarianism rather than allowing Christ to be the one to love those people and to be between us and those people in those relationships. All right, I am so grateful to Aaron for sharing those pages with us and investing into your lives. And I pray that that which has been read, that which has been shared, will continue to be an encouragement to you. 
as we are all learning what it means to live this life and to live unto uh, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because our, our heart here at Nancy McCready Ministries is for the Father's heart uh, to be realized uh, through sons who know that they are His will, through sons who gladly live this way and choose to live in that abiding oneness uh, with Him. And that that which God has desired can actually uh, be accomplished, right? That what He is after will be what we are living and there'll be such flourishing life that will come uh, forth um, from the way that he uh, has set things up. So I pray that this bonus episode has been a blessing to you. And I look forward to our next time together as we finish out chapter one of Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. So it's great to be together. Talk to you soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.